Welcome to FraserCast, a place where we discuss how our community can create a more inclusive and equitable world for people of all abilities. Our community includes individuals who have varying physical, emotional, and diverse needs, and Fraser is here to help. Today, we welcome Gina Gibson, the Sensory Inclusion Specialist for Fraser. Gina is certainly no stranger to the podcast, and we are excited to have her back today to discuss how visits to the dentist can be very challenging to children and individuals with sensory sensitivities, and to offer ways to help manage those experiences, both from the client's perspective and how dental offices can prepare for these visits. Welcome back to the show, Gina. Thank you for having me to talk about one of my favorite topics. Well, great. Dental hygiene. I'm wonderful. Glad to know that uh, that's one of your favorite interests. So, so uh, uh, Gina, let's start from the top. What makes a trip to the dentist challenging for someone with autism or sensory sensitivities? Yeah, so a lot of us don't really like going to the dentist. It can be something that makes us feel nervous or anxious. Your mouth in general has a ton of nerve endings. So it's a really sensitive part of your body that interprets those senses really intensely. So thinking about all of the sensory stimuli that goes into a dental visit, you have the taste or the texture of the toothpaste or the fluoride. You have the feeling of the toothbrush in your mouth. You have someone that you don't know, the hygienist or the dentist who's really close to you and putting their fingers in your mouth. And maybe you have you know, some decreased language skills. So you might not be aware of what's happening or have a hard time following directions. You might have had past negative experiences that make your anxiety levels higher going into the new experiences. Or maybe your caregiver is super nervous and you can kind of sense their anxiety and then that's making you more nervous. Also, individuals on the autism spectrum tend to have more difficulties with their oral health. So they're more susceptible to things like plaque, gingivitis, and cavities. And some of those reasons might be that they might have a harder time following a regular toothbrushing routine at home. They have increased incidence of gastrointestinal issues and reflux. They might have some dietary challenges and they also have increased incidence of teeth grinding. So adding all of those things together, you can see it, it makes a dental visit pretty challenging. Uh, Gina, you mentioned caregiver attitudes. They may have their own anxieties. So what are some things that a caregiver can do or ways they can be aware of uh, to make it a better experience for their family member who's going to visit a dentist? Yeah, so I recently saw a pretty cool graphic on the internet and the quote was, am I co-regulating or co-escalating? Mm. So caregivers can really focus on, you know, kind of the energies that they're giving off and realize that if they're giving off those anxious energies, it's going to be picked up on by their child or their family member and that's going to escalate things further. So even if they focus on something as simple as focusing on really nice, deep breathing, then their family member might kind of sync up with that. And that can just kind of bring all of those anxiety levels down. So is that something you would recommend a caregiver beginning at home, in the car, at, in the waiting room, or all of the above? Yeah, I think all of the above. I mean, the sooner you can kind of get your own energy levels under control, the better. So yeah, starting from home and, you know, maybe even just practicing some of that deep breathing throughout the daily toothbrushing routine so that the two kind of get blended together. That's a great idea. So speaking of home, it strikes me that dental care begins at home. 
So uh, what are some ways that uh, a caregiver can improve the uh, toothbrushing experience, if you will, or routines at home? Yeah, so one simple way is to have your family member choose their toothbrush and toothpaste. So trying out a variety of different styles, whether it's a standard toothbrush or an electric toothbrush, sometimes the deep pressure from the vibrations of the toothbrush can help improve and, and decrease some of those sensory sensitivities. Some people might be more sensitive to mint flavors, that might feel more intense, but maybe like a bubblegum flavor is more preferred. We actually recently learned from from a Fraser family that there is a new gamified toothbrush so that turns brushing your teeth into kind of a game. It syncs up with an app and uses virtual reality so that you are reaching new levels of this game as you're thoroughly brushing your teeth to chase away the cavity monsters. So a way to, you know, kind of motivate the individual to be more thorough during their toothbrushing and make it a little bit more fun for them. And also just trying different types of stiffness of the bristles. So a really soft bristle might actually be too much of that light touch, which is a little bit more irritating and alerting. So maybe some people might do better with a firmer bristle for their toothbrush. Speaking of bristles, do you recommend manual or electric, or is it again a matter of preference? Yeah, definitely a matter of preference. A lot of times electric is going to be helpful, but some people are really sensitive to that vibration. You also want to make sure that any sort of underlying dental disease or really painful dental issue is addressed before really pushing the toothbrushing too much. You don't want to make anything that's feeling painful worse by pushing things too far at home. So how about mouthwashes or other sort of dental rinses, which are really much more about just breath. They're a lot about taking care of teeth and, and gums. Uh, do you recommend those? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something I would recommend talking with the dentist about specifically, but I think it's a great complement to toothbrushing. I don't think you'd want to use it in place of toothbrushing, right. but it can definitely help with, with the rinsing out aspect and getting anything that might be kind of stuck. Okay, that, those are great tips for at home. So now we're at the dental office. And what can dental offices do to provide a more positive experience for individuals with disabilities? So the biggest thing that a dental office can do is going through some sort of a training to learn more about what these sensory needs look like and how they impact a dental visit. When Fraser works with dental offices, we kind of go in and do an assessment of what's going well and then where are their areas for improvement. And with that, a lot of times the things that we're suggesting are increased use of visual strategies. So that's things like visual schedules or a visual that's called a first then. So first we're going to do this more challenging thing, then we're going to take a break or you're going to earn a sticker or whatever that more rewarding thing looks like. We want to have sensory tools available. So if it's calming for an individual to wear noise reducing headphones or maybe listen to music while they're in their appointment, if they're if they feel calm using a weighted blanket or having a fidget in their hands to keep their hands busy and safe, we want those things to be available. And then also having some information on your website so that people can look ahead of time at what accommodations you have and what does 
does your dental office look like? Maybe even just seeing a picture of the staff that you're going to be seeing that for that appointment. That's all going to make things feel more comfortable for both the caregiver and the individual having the, the dental appointment and just helps to advertise to the community what accommodations you offer. And these environmental factors, I imagine there's something that a caregiver could anticipate in advance. That is to say, call ahead to the doctor's office and say, look, uh, we have a light sensitive child here or sound, noise, whatever the case might be, so things can be ready to go, right? Yeah, I would say one of my biggest tips to caregivers is if you have a sensory tool that you know works well for your family member, make sure you bring it with to the appointment so that it's something they're familiar with. And especially if it's something that helps them to open their mouth. So things like chewies or in the clinic, we use a tool called a Z-Vibe, which is kind of like a toothbrush that vibrates, but instead of having standard bristles, it has a silicone little tip that goes into the top of it. But that encourages the individual to open their mouth so that the dentist can see inside and, and do that quick exam. Also things like reading a social narrative or watching videos of successful dental visits on YouTube. And I say the word successful because you don't want to watch someone who's having a really hard time. That's yeah. going to increase the anxiety. So you want to make sure maybe watch the video ahead of time so you know you're showing them something where it is a successful visit. And then that just increases the engagement and the understanding of the process, understanding how long it's going to be, what step comes after after the one before it, and all of those things will help to decrease the anxiety. So Gina, you mentioned social narrative. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so a social narrative is something that breaks down a task and it uses pictures along with text to kind of explain the overall process and make things feel more familiar than when they're happening. So for example, you might see a social narrative called, I'm going to the dentist. And then ideally it would have pictures of the actual dental office you're going to. It might have some of the logistics, like what does the parking lot look like? What does the front lot look like? What's the room going to look like that I'm going to be in? It would be great if it included any accommodations that might exist. So if there are sensory tools that can be used during the appointment, that's something to typically highlight in the social narrative. And then we use kind of a variety of different language types. So we have, you know, one to two word captions so that people who are not as much of at a reading level yet, they can still kind of capture what that image is showing. And then putting a few lines of text below that caption so that the individuals who are at a reading level have a little bit more explanation of what that picture shows and what's going to happen in that step of the process. Great, thanks. And uh, so a lot of kids may have issues with brushing their teeth. How do I know if my two-year-old um, has sensory issues or if she just doesn't really dig brushing her teeth. Yeah, so I mean, either one of those is probably a little bit of an issue. We wanna make sure that any child, any two-year-old is able to get through their brushing routine. So yeah, it's you're totally right that a lot of kids are gonna kind of put up a fight or not really enjoy it, but I think it all comes down to how much is it impacting those daily routines? Are you able to kind of power through it and still get it done? Or has it gotten to a point where it turns into 
such a big sensory meltdown that that meltdown kind of continues even once the task is done. So that's when it gets into more of the sensory side of things where even when the toothbrush is, is gone and it's maybe 10, 20, 30 minutes later, but those feelings of anxiety or pain are still there, then that would tell us that it's a larger issue. That's very helpful. So if you could just dig down a little bit more into say, describing, illustrating a sensory event for a child, that would, you know, what that would look like versus a child who just didn't want to brush her teeth. Uh, you mentioned pain. Would, would it always involve, would it involve some sort of pain or some sort of physical reaction? What actually would Yeah. Happen? Yep. So a lot of times we'll see a really strong gag reflex. So it's triggering them to gag, even if you're not putting the toothbrush very far back in their mouth, they might be pushing you away. They might be crying. Um, they might be even like kind of touching their face or putting their fingers in their mouth after the toothbrushing routine is over. That's kind of showing us that those sensations are still there, even though the toothbrush isn't. And I would say that that's the biggest difference where if you have a two-year-old with Without sensory needs, as soon as you put the toothbrush away, they're probably happy and fine again. So when it's those kind of longer, lingering, more intense reactions, then yeah, that's going more with those sensory needs. You know, we're talking a lot about the patient in the chair at this point. How about in the waiting room? Um, what can the caregiver give or do? And maybe this, you know, harkens back to your discussion about at home uh, to sort of prep the child. Yeah, if they've read a social narrative before, that might be a good last minute chance to review it while you're waiting for that appointment to start. Start using those sensory tools before you need them. So we want to be proactive with those rather than reactive. If you're reactive and you wait for the escalation to start, then it's harder to kind of bring everyone back down. Um, one of the kind of nicer things about COVID right now is that people are waiting for appointments in their car. So that keeps them in an environment that's a little bit more familiar and decreases the amount of time that the anxiety is going to build while they're in anticipation of that appointment. So that might be something that even dental offices could consider continuing after COVID is no longer a factor. So they could have people wait in their car and feel more comfortable and have their own space and have more control over their environment rather than be in a lobby that might get a little bit noisy or might have some fluorescent lighting or something like that that can start the appointment off on a not so great foot. Well, those are great ideas. Thank you, Gina. And something tells me that Fraser is happy to partner with dental offices. Am I, am I right? Is that a good guess? Absolutely. So why don't you tell us more about that partnership and the benefits that it offers a dental office, please? Yeah. So I would say as an occupational therapist, one of the number one things that families have as a concern when they come to us is going to the dentist and doing their toothbrushing routines at home. So we're always looking for clinics where we feel confident that they're going to be accommodating of the sensory needs of our Fraser clients. So we do offer partnership through our Fraser sensory certification program. So dental offices can partner with us to do the training, to do some environmental modifications, figure out how to modify their website so that people can find 
sign them, and then Frazier will market that out, that, that we've given you the Frazier stamp of approval. We know that if we send our clients through your doors, they're going to be supportive and supported and have a positive experience. You have a directory at Frazier where caregivers can check to see who's um, you know, been through the program? Yeah, so it's something that we're working on adding to the sensory certification section of our website. So far, it's something that's a little bit more word of mouth, but it's definitely in the works to get it formalized. Well, they know who to call. That would be Gina. Yes. <laughs> Gina, that was fantastic. Anything else to add? I think that would do it. I, I would just say, you know, this is, it's a topic I'm super passionate about. It's actually what I did my graduate um, thesis on in grad school was uh, children with autism going to the dentist. And the, one of the things that we really are passionate about is kind of right now, the first line of defense is using sedation. If an individual is anticipated to have some behavioral challenges, sensory challenges in an appointment. And, and while there is definitely a time and a place for that, we just want there to be more options rather than that have, rather than have that be kind of the first and only option. So that's really the goal is to build this wide database of dental clinics that are ready and willing and inclusive in supporting everyone who comes through their doors. And that's just going to help our community as a whole. Well, thank you, Gina. Thank you again. Tremendous advice. That was Gina Gibson, the Sensory Inclusion Specialist for Fraser. Uh, thanks again, Gina. Thanks for having me. And for more information on the sensory needs for yourself or your family member or your business, please visit www.fraser.org. That's F-R-A-S-E-R.org. And thank you for tuning in. Please share our podcast with your family and friends, and we'll see you next time on FraserCast.